Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, this was just a crazy time for professional wrestling. I mean, you had all that madness with JBL and the Blue Meanie. If you don't know that story, the first time you read it, you will want to cry. You had everything between Matt Hardy and Edge that made me go, oh my gosh, it's like a real life soap opera. And Juventud Guerrera just lost his last name in WWE. So even all the way back here, we were still doing it. There was also talk that Sabu was going to sign with the company. And if you were a watcher of ECW in the late 90s, surely you'd have been like, how? How the hell have we got here? And Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels, which happened on Vengeance 2005, was meant to be a street fight. And do you know why it wasn't? Because both these guys went to Vince McMahon and they were like, Vinny, what you're doing? This is a terrible idea. Forget all of that, though, because the best thing about this period was that Kane released an autobiography. And I don't mean Glenn Jacobs, I mean Kane, the big red machine Undertaker's brother. Which means when you read it, it's all like, oh my gosh, I got burned as a fire as a kid. Oh my gosh, I killed Katie Vick. And the poor person writing this <laughs> had to try and make sense of it, even though on television, it was gibberish. So seriously, if you've never picked this up and glanced at it, I beg you to do so, you're gonna laugh. Otherwise, Vengeance 2005 is a really good show, and if you wanna start going, oh, it's one of the best pay-per-views ever, I would find it hard to argue, apart from this one segment that was so bad, I thought about ripping my eyes out. But hello, my name is Simon Miller. Welcome to Retro Ups and Downs, where, yes, indeedy, we are going to look at WWE Vengeance 2005 that happened in Las Vegas in front of 10,000 people and around about 400,000 people on pay-per-view. But was it any good or did it absolutely suck? Let's find out by upping those retro downs. I lost it at the start of Vengeance 2005 because, of course, we get our opening promo video and it's all like, oh, we're going to have Christian versus Chris Jericho versus John Cena for the WWE title. And this text, look at it, comes up on screen where it says, whose time is now? But that doesn't say whose time is now. It says, who is time is now? Who put that rogue apostrophe there? Because I'm coming after you. I mean, whoever did do this, 17 years later, you ruined my day. Ruined it. Stop butchering the English language. Unless, of course, you were saying, oh, who is time is now? Like there was some wrestler called time is now. But I did some research. There wasn't. And this roughed me up so much. It is getting it down. Learn how to use an apostrophe. Seriously, I couldn't believe it. To the point, I text my girlfriend. I was like, wait, have I gone crazy here? Or is that just an abomination? And she said, surely WWE wouldn't do that. And I was like, man, trust me, the things they've done, that ain't nothing. This was a video that kept on giving, though, because you then move on to Triple H versus Batista that was going to be in Hell in a Cell. And Batista goes, a lot of people have asked me, do I know what I'm in for? Well, the answer is, I don't. I was like, Dave, just go look it up. 
on the internet. <laughs> Type in hell in a cell. Honestly, I could not help my laughter. That was a really stupid thing to say. Thankfully, Carlito, who was the brand new Intercontinental Champion, then comes out for our first match. And he's taken on Shelton Benjamin, the person he beat for this title. So it was very handy there was a pay-per-view at the weekend. The real reason this works though is that the crowd is into everything. Seriously, Carlito and Shelton could have sat down and started playing chess. And Shelton could have gone, I'm going to move my rook to b4 and whatever the hell it is. And they would have gone, oh my gosh, rook to b4. And as soon as you get that kind of energy, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It comes out of the TV screen, it hits you on the head and you just want to be involved. It does start a bit weird because Carlito had basically screwed over Shelton Benjamin. And yet they start with a lockup. I will never understand that like if somebody has wronged you and then you're in a ring and a referee goes oh you can fight him if you want you're gonna take your fist and you're gonna punch them straight in the face especially when it comes to Carlito because my word nobody has a better smug expression than him you just look at him you're like man he having a time of his life even though he does nothing to elicit them halfway through the fans just go I think we should boo Shelton Benjamin now so of course they do although he has a great showing here and the only reason he loses is because he gets hit with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment the surprise roll up because of course he does we should have been making a bigger song and dance about this back in 2005 and maybe in 2022 it wouldn't be their number one finish you also get some shenanigans because before that carlito had revealed and exposed the turnbuckle and then benjamin and stinger splashed straight into the metal but look if our opening match is meant to get you all ready for the show it is getting it up christie versus victoria next and you're already thinking to yourself well i bet that wasn't very good and no, it's not great, but it also kind of is. And that made no sense. But again, if WWE <laughs> could write that time is now bullshit, I could do whatever I want. Here's the thing, though. They just focus on what they're good at. They only get around about five minutes and they clearly said to each other backstage, let's just do the simple stuff as well as we can possibly do. And before we know it, we can get to the ending one, two, three, and everybody will be happy. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, there were some issues here in the sense that apparently Victoria was properly sick before this, so maybe she shouldn't be wrestling. And the story was that Christy had hit her head so much, she may be suffering from concussion problems. And imagine anyone tried to rope that into a storyline now, be like, nah, brah, we don't do it. It does get really embarrassing when the crowd start chanting for puppies, as does Jerry Lawler. And if you were in this audience, what were you, what were you hoping for here? You just wanted someone to go, way and whip their top off. Look, it's wrestling. It's professional wrestling. If you're into all that schmares, there is plenty of other content that will satisfy you. The fans, once more, cannot figure out who they're meant to boo and who they're meant to cheer, so they just keep changing their minds. And yes, it ends with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. Although, at least this time, Victoria holds the rope because she's a bad guy. And we're meant to think she's a piece of shit. But honestly, there is nothing wrong with this at all. I mean, we could be a pedant and find some stuff. But it's probably another reason why this pay-per-view overall is very well regarded. Up. We then have an interview with John Cena. And clearly, nobody had told him, look, John, when you're talking about your opponents, make sure you put them over. Otherwise, if you are going to beat them, you've beaten nobody. Because he just craps all over Chris Jericho. He craps all over Christian to once again... I was just chuckling away. It is such a burial. John Cena also clearly wants to be The Rock here because he's doing this bit with Todd Gresham. That was a little bit awkward. But yeah, if you've never seen this, you should check it out because John just annihilates them and basically goes, I'd be better off fighting a baby. And WWE would have booked that in 2005. They would have done John Cena versus Baby. 
John Cena would have won. Which then leads us to Edge versus Kane, which is kind of a fascinating match because of the places both characters was in. Edge was about to blast through the gas ceiling and become a main eventer, whereas Kane was like in the second or third iteration of his persona. So when you put them together, it kind of felt like a bit of a mismatch. Especially when you get to the story, because this was when Kane was married to Lita, and then Lita had screwed Kane and gone with Edge, and Gene Snitsky was there being like, man, I really love feet and kicking babies. Oh, a space palm before I had said the babies bit, which actually ties into what we just said about John Cena. That's the kid it could have worked. You also had everything like we've already mentioned with Matt Hardy, where the fans were well aware what was going on, because as soon as this starts, everyone's going, we want Matt. We want Matt. Before long, the commentators were going to start talking about this, proving he had re-signed a deal. But can you imagine being Mr. Hardy back in 2005? Your girlfriend has cheated on you with your best friend, and then you lose your job. I mean, of course he went crazy on the internet. Who wouldn't have done? It also does mean we get some awful chants shouted in the direction of Lita. And she has gone on record in subsequent interviews going, yeah, I didn't really like that. But you can't deny the chemistry in between Edge and Lita. It really is quite good. It must have tied into how The Office saw this pair as well, because for those of this match, Edge is just whipping Kane's ass. And imagine you had gone back to 1998 and found a WWF fan and gone, you see that guy from The Brood? In a few years, he is going to absolutely destroy The Undertaker's undead brother. They would have laughed at you and spat in your face because they're not good people. And of course, there is plenty of nonsense during this because Gene Snitsky does run out. And it's unbelievable. Like It's unbelievable because every time he interferes, the referee just so handily happens to be attending to Lita, who also kept trying to get involved. Like, it's just so unbelievable. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is. You're watching it going, referee, turn around, you absolute son of a gun. Then your neighbors come around and they tell you off. And then you show them all this. And they go, oh, no, you should be yelling because I'm going to start yelling too. Finally, Kane gets rid of all of this so he can get his hands on Lita. What he does is he does get his big paw and he puts it around her neck. Now you'll be going, well, Simon, he was going to choke slam her, but he doesn't. He only stops when Edge finally attacks him or Gene Snitsky, whoever the hell it was. And before that, he was just going, oh. So he was trying to kill Lita. That's what he was doing. And you shouldn't be laughing at it because it's not very funny. Eventually, Gene does get taken out when Edge tries to hit Kane with the money in the bank briefcase and he misses. That's when Kane finally grabs Edge and gives him the choke slam and he gets the one, two, three. And that briefcase is the smart thing to remember here. That's why WWE beat the rated R superstar because they were like, well, he's going to cash that in for a world title eventually. We can protect him then. It's a shame Matt Hardy doesn't turn up here because the fans were desperate to see it. And as crazy as this all is, it is never dull, it is never boring, and it is getting it up. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I then think somebody had found Shawn Michaels and put a gun to his head and gone, look, you're about to cut a promo, and unless you find a way to work the name of the show in, I'm going to pull the trigger. Because the weird things that he went on to say. Because he does mention the fact he's facing Kurt Angle for the second time that he lost when they did face off at WrestleMania. So now he really, really wants to win. And I was like, okay, yeah, that all makes sense. Instantly, though, he keeps going, well, I'm not 100% sure whether I will win or lose because you know Kurt Angle's pretty good. But what I do know is that vengeance will be mine. I was like, sure. I got a whole little bit. It's called Nobody Talks Like That. And if you actually said that to somebody else in the real world, they'd be like, Sean, please leave me alone. We're no longer friends. This, of course, does mean it's time for Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle round two. And honestly, this is superb. Straight away, people are like, well, was this one better? Or was the WrestleMania one better? But who cares? Take them both, push them together like you're eating ice cream and cake and just enjoy the goodness that rolls all over your body. These two are absolutely redonkulous. It's not with some chain wrestling to remind you, yeah, we can both do this. But as soon as they hear the crowd getting a little bit quiet, they hit the go button and then it is honestly just joy for around about 25 minutes. Sean goes for a sunset flip off the ropes, but Kurt Angle reverses that into the ankle lock, but Heartbreak Kid remembers that from WrestleMania, so he gets out of it. So Angle goes, well, I remember what I did at the show of shows. I'm going to Angle slam you into the ring post, but once again, Sean is like, ha no, you're not. When Kurt finally grabs him and German suplexes him onto the announce table. But it doesn't break, so Michael just goes pow, and he bounces off it right onto the floor. All of that also happens in around about 30 seconds. It is just wild. That wasn't brutal enough for you. Angle then buckle bomb Shawn Michaels. And in 2005, that was like, what on earth was that move? And I tell you the real secret source between those two. Kurt Angle is allowed to act like an insane person throughout all of this. Shawn Michaels sells it like, oh my gosh, Kurt Angle is insane. And that relationship, well, it just works. This is true again when Kurt Angle goes for the Angle slam, but Shawn Michaels reverses it into an arm track. And then when they're back on their feet, they just punch each other right in the face. They must have had a chat beforehand, like, we've got to make this look as real as possible. What's a good way to do that? Well, I'll clench my hand and I'll bonk you in the nose. You do get a ref bump because WWE can't help themselves, but it does allow both of them to go nuts. So you get super kicks, you get angle slams, you get ankle locks, and you genuinely do not know what direction this is going to go in. And that's all you need when it comes to any wrestling match. If you're second guessing what you're actually seeing, it means you're plugged in. The ending as well is absolutely sublime, although admittedly other people have done it better. But Kurt Angle finally decides, I can't beat this guy. I can't finish him off. So what I will do is I'll climb to the top rope and I'll hit him with that traditional classic flying nothing. That's right, he just jumps in the air. That allows Shawn Michaels to hit him with sweet chin music as he is coming down. He pins him. One, two, three, and I get it, I understand. No, it's not as good as the Shelton Benjamin one but it's still pretty damn good. You really won't find a better contest than this in 2005, although, of course, there are other matches that are comparable, but it doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. 
It's not a real receive that we start teasing it instantly because HBK is limping to the back and Kurt Angle's all like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. As Jim Ross shouts, my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever seen. You know what? He's not half wrong. We then go to the back where world heavyweight champion Batista is being interviewed by the coach. And while this was a masterclass in ensuring that Dave Batista became a megastar, do not think it was perfect. Because as we reminded here, oh yeah, Dave, do you remember at that last event where the only reason you held onto your title was because of crappy officiating? Why don't we talk about that and remind all the fans? So I don't want to crap over what Triple H did here because he did a fantastic job, but there was still the odd promo where he was like, oh, I should have won her. And Batista is so mad about this because he goes, shut up you, shut up everybody, listen to this. Triple H is going to have to kill me if he wants to take my championship. That's so funny. It's meant to get you pumped up and it's all intense, but it's a dumb thing to say. Dave, listen to me. If it comes to your life or a championship belt, give up the belt. Triple H must have been just off camera watching all of this because he just walks into frame. And you do get a bit of a fracas here, which is kind of interesting for a pay-per-view. Usually nobody touches. I liked it. It is also so much better than what comes next. To the point, I'm not even going to recount it to you in the usual ups and downs way. What I'm going to do is I shall read it to you as if it was a story. Because that's what WWE tells us they do. They tell stories. Okay, well, if one day you picked up a book and wanted this, here's how it would read. Hello and welcome to Storytime with me, Simon Miller. There once was a girl called Lillian Garcia, and she was in love with a man mountain known as Viscera. And after weeks of courting each other and having a relationship, Lillian Garcia came to the ring at Vengeance 2005 and asked her beau to accompany her. After singing a horrendous song that made me want to cry because it was so damn cheesy and not in keeping with the event at all, she asked Big Vis to stand up. Lillian got down on one knee and said, I love you. You are my everything. Will you marry me? Just as it looked like Viscera was going to shed a tear of his own, these two were interrupted by the Godfather, a pimp who was accompanied by some prostitutes. He got in the ring and he told Viscera this, as soon as my girls knew that you were here in Vegas, they wanted to party with you. So now that it looks like you're about to be wed, they are utterly distraught. How about you abandon your girlfriend and come have some sex with these guys instead. After pondering and thinking about it, Viscera decided, hey, this is the way to go. Dumped Lillian Garcia right in the ring, leaving her to cry and be a very, very sad panda. Yep, that's right. All of that is 100% true. And I had deleted this from my brain and I watched the entire thing, which goes on for about 15 minutes like this. I'm never, ever, ever going to get over it to the point it doesn't just get the down, it gets the brown down. When does that ever happen? We went from golden up to flipping brown down. Thankfully, WWE did have a triple threat match for the WWE title waiting in the wings. And it is John Cena versus Christian versus Chris Jericho versus time is now, I suppose. And there was no way this is going to be bad. These three are too good. Up. It's also very timely because John Cena is just so over here. He gets a massive cheer during his entrance, during the match. I mean, at one point, Vegas once again goes, let's try booing him and see if it happens. But when you compare it to what was going to happen, if you would have got in a time machine and told somebody the changes that were about to go down, 
they wouldn't have believed you. They actually wouldn't have. You do see all three chatting beforehand, and that was really weird, because if you look closely, it kind of looks like Cena's going, okay, well, we're gonna do spot one, then we'll move to spot 54, then we'll do the five moves of Dune, F you, one, two, three, and we're done. But when he has stopped speaking, Christian and Chris Jericho just jump him, because of course they're the bad guys, and they start beating him up. But at least WWE did do this. Sometimes they do three ways, and it's two good guys beating on the bad guy, and you're like, well, that doesn't work, because now I feel sorry for him. Poor Christian gets hurled over the top and takes this horrible landing early on, but that's when Chris Jericho can take over. And look, John Cena is very good during this, but you can just tell that Jericho is being the ring general here. He grabs the champion by the horns and he drags him through it. He smashes Cena up for a while on the outside, but then gets DDT'd himself, so he's out the game. But really, luckily, Christian has then recovered... It's almost like we planned this out. He too does some smashing because John Cena goes into the steel steps and this is when Chris Jericho is back to his feet. So once again, it was like, oh no, how is John going to overcome these insurmountable odds? And yes, WWE would keep doing this against Cena and Cena would always overcome them. That was going to become the problem. I do remember at the time some people were saying, well, it wasn't that good, but I totally disagree, especially when they do this Tower of Doom-esque spot. And of course, before long, John Cena kicks out of the Unprettier. Because despite Christian being a really good professional wrestler, WWE never cared about him properly at all. Tyson Tonko also get involved here because in 2005 he was Christian's mate and I'll just tell you this, it's okay how much interference does go down, but is it too much? Yes. That is just designed to get another near fall on Cena though as he gets his shoulder up at two. This is when Christian gets chucked out of the ring again and takes another horrible fall when Chris Jericho gets John Cena in the walls of Jericho. You're like, oh my gosh, he's going to do it. But of course he doesn't. Instead, Christian runs back in there. He gets put into the FU position. There's this cool bit where Cena kind of spins him to take out Jericho. He gets hit. One, two, three. And still your WWE champion and your WWE champion for the next 15 years, Jonathan Cena. This does feel nice though because the fans really enjoy it and you get that energy once again. Give it a year. It also means our main event was for the World Heavyweight Championship, which in 2005, WWE had decided was the more important of the two belts, mostly because of Triple H. But take that, throw it out the window, because all of this is absolutely tremendous. The whole program ever since the Royal Rumble has been a masterclass in how to make a star. And of course, this was going down in the Hell in a Cell, and it is pretty damn brutal. Now, you are going to have flashbacks when you are watching it, because Triple H gets a chain out of a toolbox move that to one side and answer me this instead who the flub puts a chain in a toolbox it just means this starts hot especially when a barbed wire steel chair is introduced into the mix now being the nerd i am i was like well clearly that's not real barbed wire because i don't see mick foley around here but i think it was because batista gets thrown into this and the camera zooms into his back and you see it bleeding and it does not look good. Triple H is bleeding by this point, and blood is just splattering all over the place, which is quite the visual. And at one point, Triple H does take a power bomb onto this steel chair. And do you know what he makes Batista look like? You have to forgive me here, but it's true. An animal. I mean, he does get his revenge almost instantly when he slams Batista with a DDT, and he's now bleeding too. And go and watch this carefully. I think some of the red stuff goes into the crowd. I don't think that's gonna be on your ticket. Before long, the game goes and finds his trusty sledgehammer, and I have such a problem with this being a weapon. One, it just means you're trying to murder someone. You can't hit somebody with a sledgehammer and expect they're going to survive. But also, two, he does that thing where he grabs the end of it and he just hits Batista in the head. 
You don't take a wall down like that with a sledgehammer. That's the whole point. You would get it and go crack. It really was stupid. It does allow Batista to kick out a two when you get a proper ooh from the fans. And this is when they really start using the cage as the devil's favorite structure. And at one point, Triple H's head also goes into the sledgehammer. So he probably shouldn't have introduced it. The real shocker and the best reaction of the entire night is when Triple H finally hits Batista with the pedigree. Because this move had been so protected, even every single person in the crowd was like, well, that's it. Dave's going to lose his championship. But when he does kick out, my word, it is an absolutely phenomenal noise and kind of justifies people not kicking out of finishes because here it made all the difference. JR is also losing it by this point going, no, no, stop it, stop it, which makes you buy in even more. And before long, Batista grabs Triple H. He gives him a spine buster on the steel steps and then he picks him up for the Batista bomb. But even then you have last second drama because as Trip does go up, he grabs the sledgehammer and you're like, no, no, don't hit Dave in the head. But thankfully, Batista is ahead of the game, quite literally and figuratively. He slams him down, he pins him, and that is that. He is officially, dishly your world heavyweight champion. That man is great. They then both lay there in their own blood to sell everything as nobody comes out to offer the medical attention. I mean, why would a doctor do this? Like, well, no, you know, I'm off the clock now. Sucks to be those guys, but it's a great main event. It is a great making of Batista and it is obviously getting it up. Which brings us to Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer ratings. And as always, let me know your star ratings in the comments below because it's good to get second opinions. He gave our opener between Shelton Benjamin and Carlito two and a half stars. Victoria versus Christy got one and a half stars. Kane versus Edge got two and three quarter stars. Michaels versus Angle got four and a half stars. Cena versus Jericho versus Christian got three and three quarter stars. And our main event also got a whopping four and a half stars. So that's the end of Vengeance 2005. And seriously, it gets an up. This is a really, really good underrated pay-per-view that you should retroactively go and watch. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.